Hey, this is Pastor Peyton, lead pastor of City Lights Church, and I just wanted to take a moment to personally thank you for connecting with us on our podcast. We're so encouraged by how many of you are listening to it, and we are praying that as you listen weekly that you are being blessed and that you are encouraged. And I want to ask you to do something. If you're listening right now or if you've been listening, would you send us a story, your story, to mystory at citylightsac.org and let us know how God is using this ministry to reach you. Today's message is from our Easter Sunday service, and we're starting a new series encounter. I pray that as you listen in, that you're blessed, that you're encouraged, and you feel equipped to take on your problems and your challenges. Listen in as we hear a word from God. I've just felt the Spirit of the Lord all day today. This morning, even now, prayed this morning for you all that would be here. You don't even know it, but we prayed for you. And you're thinking, you didn't know I was coming, Pastor. No, we didn't, but God did. And so we prayed ahead of time for you that your hearts would be receptive for what happens today. And that should be our prayer that we would say, God, we're going to come to the altar. And though it may not be an altar like Moses or Joshua or Abraham prayed on, maybe it's the altar in your heart this morning. Maybe it's the altar in your heart. We're starting a new series this morning, so if you've come for the first time, it's a great day to be here. You don't want to miss any other Sunday. And we've got a theme verse for the series, and the theme verse comes from Jeremiah 33.3. This is God. He says, call to me, and I will answer you. Aren't you glad this morning that if you're a child of God and you call to him, he'll answer you? Aren't you glad that he speaks back? That though his ways and thoughts are higher than our thoughts, when we call upon his name, he speaks. He says, call to me and I will answer you. And not only will I answer you and communicate with you, but I'm going to tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Let me ask you something this morning. If you're here this morning and you don't believe, or you're here this morning and you do believe, it does not matter. If you're going through some things in your life that you don't understand and you'd like a little help on some things that you don't know about, would you raise your hand this morning? Amen. Listen, we're starting a new series this morning called Encounter. And the whole idea behind this series is that we would encounter Jesus. That we would encounter him. Not in a religious or fanatical way, but in a real way, an authentic. And this morning we're starting with part one. He'll meet you where you are. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, hey, I know you're going through some things. Some of y'all getting a little personal. You're divulging some information. Tell him, I know you're going through some things, but he'll meet you where you are. Everybody, turn to your neighbor and say, hey, I know you've got some stuff going on. Dang, that one sounded for real mean. Tell him, but he'll meet you where you are. Hey, if you're ready to hear a word from the Lord this morning, let's celebrate that. You may be seated. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team. Thank you. Sounding good. Sounding good. So encouraged by what God is doing here at City Lots Church. This is your first time here. We are so encouraged that you're here, that you chose to be here. And can I be honest with you? We don't really care why you came, honestly. I mean, we're just glad you're here. So we don't care if, if someone paid you to come, or you heard, you heard we were having fresh master donuts this morning. We don't care. We're just glad that you're here this morning. And I want to say a couple things to you. If you're here this morning and you're not a believer, and what I mean is you don't believe in Jesus Christ, or you're, you're skeptical, or you have doubts, or you've been burned or hurt by the church, 
you're at a safe place that welcomes you here. It's okay. We always tell people, don't judge us for how we do church, and we won't judge you for being how you are. Fair enough? Pretty simple, right? We welcome you here. In fact, so as we start this part one of this series called He'll Meet You Where You Are, let me see here. Who can, where can I? Come up here, Elizabeth. This is unplanned. She went, oh my gosh. Yeah, everybody say hi, Elizabeth. Hi. Now on the podcast, this could sound a little wrong, but take your jacket off, Elizabeth. <laughs> See, that will meet you where you are. That's a ministry philosophy for us. Philosophy. Thank you. I just wanted them to see it. Thank you. You're awesome. Yeah. Her eyes got like this big back there. We have a ministry philosophy that says we'll meet you where you are. And it's more than just a saying or just a logo on a shirt, though I like those new shirts. What that means to us is regardless of where you've been, regardless of where you are, in your addiction, in your divorce, in your skepticism, in your doubt, in your financial bankruptcy, whatever it is, we'll meet you where you are. We'll meet you there. We think that's what Jesus would do, and so that's what we'll do. I think today we'll see a story that you'll see he'll meet you where you are. And if Jesus is going to do it, as long as I'm the pastor of this church, which I have no plans of leaving, we'll meet you where you are as well. There was a a Christian recording artist named Todd Agnew, and he sings a song, and he says, my Jesus wouldn't be welcome in your church because he might get bloodstains on the carpet. That's the one I've come to preach about this morning. The one that would get bloodstains on the carpet as he came in here. That's the one I'm talking about. That's who we worship here. We think that Jesus died for all of humanity. And so we welcome all of humanity here this morning. And I know some of y'all are jacked up because I see your Facebook post. (laughs) Trust me, I've seen it. So don't act like you're not. Don't act like you're not. I know you are. We're in this series, Encounter, and the whole idea is that we're going to be taking the next several weeks just to talk about some encounters of Jesus in the Bible. And how many of you know that oftentimes we encounter God in the most unforeseen places, the most unique of circumstances, the most desperate of times? We encounter Him all the time. One of our big issues is that we don't always recognize that. And so what we hope to do in this series, particularly starting today, is to help you all leave here with an encounter. I want to share something with you. Not only do we have a ministry philosophy of meeting where you are, but to me, I want Sunday to be a great experience for you. Okay? I want Sunday to be a great experience. What I mean by that is we like lights and we want good music You want good music because you judge us if it wasn't, so don't act like you don't either. (laughs) But we want good music. I'm pretty partial to the preaching, but I think it's pretty good as well. We want you to have a good experience from the time you pull in. So let me just explain a couple things to those of you who may be like really churchy and kind of offended by some things. We don't tell you where to park because we don't think you're competent. We tell you where to park because we want you to know that we've been thinking about you. We tell you where to park because a lot of times first-time guests will come here and the number one thing they want to know, not number one, but up there in the top three is where do I park, where do I sit, where do my kids go? So that's why we help you find a parking spot. And here, we help you find a seat because 
we want you to know we've been thinking about you. Can I just make a confession for a moment? We had a Christmas service a couple months ago, and it was phenomenal. Who all was here for that? Great night, wasn't it? Just awesome, incredible. And we had a lady leave a comment about, um, she thought it was ridiculous that we told people where to sit. That's what she said. Now, I may or may not have responded. It was appropriate, what I did, though. But what I'm saying is this, is that at Scott's church, if your biggest argument is where we tell you to sit, then you got bigger problems than that. I mean, there's people, Tracy, that need Jesus that are coming in here broken and addicted, and you want to get pissed because you, we tell you where to sit. Come on. Good Lord. See, we're here to meet people. And the, listen, I love church people because I'm a church person, but the more church you are, the more offended you'll get at what we're doing here. Because we want to worship the Jesus who will get blood stains on the carpet. Amen. Go ahead, celebrate it. In that great experience, though, I know this, that if you don't encounter God, it means nothing. If the lighting's right, if the music's just right, if the greeters are friendly, your kids come out saying, I had a blast, but you don't encounter God here, then all this means nothing. I know that. And I want you to know that I know that, okay? What we hope to do is set up a platform of an experience for you to encounter God. Because people matter more to us than production. Production is important. You can ask our team. We think it's pretty important around here, but people matter more. And your encounter with God matters more than your experience. So I guess what I'm saying is if you come here and you get rubbed the wrong way a little bit, you should probably get over yourself and just invite Jesus to speak to you. Now, I'm not saying we're perfect. We are far from perfect. I'm not perfect. My wife says I'm pretty close, right, babe? I mean, so that's what she says. That's what she says. That's what she says. How come I didn't get any amens from anybody? So we're more about the people than the production, and we're more about your encounter than your experience. But we want you to have all of those things and really, really enjoy them. We're going to look at a story this morning that I think will really illustrate that Jesus will meet you where you are, right, right where you are. See, a lot of times the church, the capital C church, teaches that it's about your behavior modifications. If you're going to encounter God, you need to attend church faithfully. You better be reading your Bible. You better be tithing. You better be talking right. You better be walking right. You better be acting right. And can I just say that if you are a Christ follower, you will begin to walk right. You will begin to give. You will attend church more faithfully, but that is not an indication of your relationship with Jesus. An indication of your relationship with Jesus is a heart transformation, not behavior modification. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Where was I at? We're going to look at a story this morning that I think really illustrates that Jesus will meet you where you are. You, you. You think, Pastor, you're talking about everybody else. No, 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 I'm talking about you. I want to set up the context for you. It's Sunday evening. Jesus has resurrected because how many of you know that the grave could not hold him? Death could not contain him. No power in hell can overcome him. He raised... It's Sunday evening. Jesus has appeared for the first time to his disciples, but there was one man missing, a man named Thomas. Now, if you grew up in church, 
you may have heard of a guy named Doubting Thomas. If you didn't grow up in church, after you leave today, you will know about Doubting Thomas. And I think you'll see a lot of similarities between him and you. But Jesus has went and appeared to his disciples. They have encountered him, and now they are going to tell Thomas about, hey, we've seen the risen Lord. John chapter 20, here we go. It says, but one of the 12, Thomas, called twin, was not with them when Jesus came. Now, we don't know why he wasn't in the group, so let's not have any, like, conspiracy theorists about Thomas was, you know, nothing, don't be crazy like that. We just know that he wasn't with them. He was absent. So the other disciples, listen, I love this, they kept telling him, see, when you've experienced Jesus, Dustin, you can't help but to keep telling people about him. True. When you've experienced him, when you've had an encounter, you will be active in sharing your faith. You are backwoods if you say, mama taught me not to talk about my faith in politics. That's not true. And just so we know, I'm backward too, or I couldn't have talked like that, okay? So don't be offended. But what I'm saying is, if you've experienced him, you will speak about him. So the other disciples kept telling him, listen, we have seen the Lord. But he, Thomas, said to them, if I don't see the mark of the nails in his hands, put my finger into the mark of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will never believe. Now that seems pretty harsh, right? Because Thomas walked with Jesus for three years. Three years, and here his own followers saying, hey, if I don't put my fingers in the nail-scarred hands and my fist in his side, I won't believe. Now, let me bring this back home. There are a lot of you this morning like that. It's very possible that you came with people here this morning, and they believe, and they've been telling you about Jesus, but you're saying, hey, I got to see it for myself. That's good that he works for you and that you're into all this. That's great. But basically, Thomas was telling Peter, hey, if you didn't take a selfie with Jesus on Instagram, bro, I don't believe it. That's what he's saying. If you didn't, I don't believe it. I've got to see it for myself. It's very possible you're here with the same kind of people. You believe, you've been telling them, but they're like, hey, you know what? That's good for you if the whole Jesus thing works for you but I've got to see it. Anybody else like that? You got to see something to believe it sometimes? Everybody's nervous to raise their hand. Yes. yes. I'm not talking about Jesus, okay? So don't feel like you're betraying him. <laughs> well, as I was studying and preparing for this message, I was listening to different types of messages and pastors and, and different things like that. And um, I want to share four reasons that we often doubt Jesus. Now, if you're here this morning and you don't believe, you're skeptical, or you just flat out like, hey, I just don't believe, or you're skeptical, or you doubt, I guarantee you, one of the reasons is for the four reasons I'm going to list. Now, let me flip the script a little bit. If you're here this morning and you say, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but your faith is not as active as it should be, and you know it, it's going to be because of one of these four reasons. So nobody's free, is what I'm saying. This is for Lottie Dottie, everybody in here. If you take notes, which you should, the first reason of doubt is intellectual. Intellectual doubt. Basically, Thomas had this problem. Hey, if I don't see the risen Lord, I do not believe. That's great that you say it. That's great that you proclaim it. But if I do not see him, I do not believe. 
And I told my wife I was going to give this illustration, and she was like, are you serious? But a couple of weeks ago, I was working in our bedroom. She was in the living room watching TV. I was working on some church stuff, and uh, she sent me a text because that's how we communicate at my house. If someone's in the other room, we just text. We're just keeping up with the times, man. We're just keeping up with the times. And she's like, hey, I think I hear a mouse in here. And I was like so comfortable on the bed, just really deep in the study. And I don't even know that I responded. You know, I was just like, oh, okay. Well, a few minutes later, she's like, no, I'm serious. I just heard it running. And I was like, oh, okay, are you sure? You know, blah, 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 you know, whatever. Well, then she texts me back and she was like, hey, I, I've seen this rapper move, you know, this, I've heard it run, I can hear it. And when she like mentioned something about the rapper move and I text back and I said, I've lost all concentration. I said, are you serious? Because you may or may not believe this, but I'm not very manly when it comes to rodents, okay? <laughs> and she said, yeah, I'm serious. And I texted her back and I said, I want to see it. Because I had to see it to believe it. And just so you know how the story ends, I did see it. And unfortunately, that mouse's life ended. But I cannot say for uh, public reasons, because we record the service, so PETA may be listening. But I can just tell you that that mouse no longer lives at the Will's residence. <laughs> but I had to see it to believe it. And many of you are like that this morning. And maybe not just with Jesus, but maybe some of you are like Thomas. You've got to see it to believe it. There's this intellectual doubt. Does that make sense? Now, let me pull it back and just make it a bigger, bigger scale. A lot of times when it comes to the world, the universe, we have tensions with believing so this is a picture of the Milky Way. Now, the Milky Way is the galaxy that we live in, okay? Now, scientists believe there are, listen to this number, okay? I got, first off, I got this off the internet, and Abraham Lincoln once said, don't believe everything you got off the internet, okay? But they believe there are, some of y'all get that later when you go to Golden Girls and Cracker Barrel. Some of you still won't, and you're confused. Scientists believe there are at least 100 billion galaxies, okay? Now, this is the galaxy that we live in, and within each galaxy, there are billions and billions of solar systems. This little dot right here that's pointing to where it says, we are here, you can barely even make it, that's our solar system. And when I mean solar system, I'm saying the sun and the orbiting planets, so this morning when you got up and you thought you were high and mighty and you was going to come to church looking good, you should realize in the big scheme of things, you're not that big of a deal. <laughs> see, when people who have this intellectual doubt, when they see the cosmos, the universe, they just see a design. But as a believer, I see the designer. I see the creator of creation. This next picture is a picture of cliff tops. This is up in Mount Leconte and the Smokies. Mount Leconte is the third highest peak in the Smokies at 6,593 feet. You cannot, you Sunday joy riders, you cannot get this view just by driving through. You got to strap it on your back and hike up the top. And this is a place where people traditionally watch sunset on Mount Leconte. And I'll never forget the first time that my wife and I hiked there and I saw that view. Now, I was a believer in Jesus when I made that hike. But when I saw that view, God did something new. I had an encounter with him, and I knew 
I knew that he was the designer, that he was the creator. Any other tree huggers out there like me, you, you can see God in nature and, and fishing and hiking. And Y'all are nervous to raise your hands because you think I'm going to set you up for something. Yeah, CG does, yeah. See, it is an intellectual doubt for people. The lens they look through causes them to doubt. Causes them to doubt an intellectual doubt. Maybe some of you this morning have intellectual doubt. The second one is circumstantial doubt. Circumstantial There was a woman who grew up her whole life like many women do, and her only dream was to be a God-loving woman, have a great husband, and raise a family and have some kids. Does that sound familiar to any woman in here? Your dream was just to be a good wife and be a good mom and have kids. She grew up with that plan, and in her young 20s, she went to a party one night. She had a little bit too much to drink, and she was raped that night. She got pregnant by a man she never knew. Now, can I ask you something? You just be honest. The answer is yes or no. Does that change her circumstances in life? Yes, it does. It does not take away her worth or value. Let's clarify that. But it changes her circumstances. Would you agree it changes her plan? Yes. See, now her circumstantial Outlook on life, the circumstances she's facing can cause doubt in God. We would say it like this, why does a good God let things like that happen? Are you tracking? I've got a friend in the military, and I'll be honest with you, I invited him this morning, he just wouldn't come. He just didn't come. He served in Afghanistan, Iraq, he's seen terrible things, he's been a part of terrible things, and his circumstances prevent him from seeing and encountering God. And now listen, I served in the service. We have people here who served in the service. Some of our, uh, the wives here, their husbands have served. So I am a huge proponent of soldiers, military personnel. You ought to love them, thank them, and wring their neck. And if you ever get a chance to buy them a meal, you ought to do it. But circumstances are not an excuse when it comes to Jesus. I guarantee you, you stand before him that day and say, I really wanted to follow you, but I didn't understand why all this happened. That will not be good enough. Hey, 20 years ago, 20 years ago, a 12-year-old boy sat at home on a Thursday night reading a book, excited about the weekend because his cousin was coming over to play, and they were going to have a great time together. That night, the boy reading a book, his family gets a phone call, and they say, there's been an accident, and no longer is the cousin coming over that weekend. In fact, he's never coming over again because he was murdered, him and his mom, by his stepdad. Would you think, do you think that would change somebody's circumstances? See, 20 years ago on that Thursday night, that 12-year-old boy was, was me reading my book, waiting for my cousin to come over that weekend. And you better believe it initially, the circumstances of dealing with that caused me to wonder why God would do that or allow that to happen. The third reason we often doubt Jesus is because of our lifestyle. The lifestyle. See, Jesus, he made this exclusive claim that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so what that means then, if that is true, that claim that Jesus makes, if he is the only way, then that means that I'm going to have to make some changes about my life if I'm going to follow him. And some of us don't want to change who we are because we enjoy pleasure more than Jesus. Now listen, even if you don't believe, this impacts you. 
But if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, this is what stops you from going further. Because you feel like you can't ever have a drink again. You feel like you can't smoke cigarettes or you feel like you can't go out and have fun. And I'll be honest with you. I'm not endorsing any of those things. But that doesn't take away from you being loved by Jesus. Did you know that nothing can separate you from his love? Somebody needs to know that today because you, you base everything that you do off of what you've done or how far you short, uh, how short you fall in, in your sins. And you do do that, but it is God's love that brings you back. Somebody needs to hear this for the first time or you need to be reminded that God's love for you is not based upon anything you do. Nothing. It's a ridiculous love. And your lifestyle will often cause you to doubt him because you feel like there's this great tension. And there is a tension. See, what's crazy with church people a lot is religious people is the more we grow in our faith, the more holier we really think we are. But what happens is when you stand before a holy God, you realize just how much of a sinner you are. And can I tell you what my experience is the more I follow Christ, the more I realize how much I need him. I need him more. The closer I get to him, the farther away I see I really am. And it would do, I know I'm getting on a tangent and a rant, but it would be really good for some of those of you who have been following Jesus a while to get off your pedestal and remember that he hung on the cross for you and that he went to the cross because you're a sinner and in need of him. The fourth reason that we often doubt is religious, religious doubt. Did you know there are, I can't decide if I want to stand still or keep walking, so y'all hanging with me? I wish I had a little Hillary, a little click thing that shows me how many steps I'm walking up here because I feel like I'm burning some calories. <laughs> religious doubt. There are over 4,200 world religions. It's a lot, right? And those can be categorized into five major. You've got the New Age movement, Christianity, Islam, Buddhism, and Hinduism. And we live in this world where everything is just so universal. And what I mean by that is this, Samantha. It's kind of like, whatever makes you feel good. If that's what you believe, then good. There are addiction programs that say we believe in a higher power. It's just as long as you know his name is Jesus Christ, that's okay. The New Age movement says everybody's their own God, Chris. You just kind of do what you want. You're, this is your temple, your control of it. You control your destiny. They believe in Muhammad, Allah, and Buddha and say it's all the same. It'll all get you the same place. They're all the same. But can I tell you why that's not true? Because Muhammad, Buddha, and Allah, they're all dead. But Jesus Christ is still alive. So your feel-good higher power will often cause you to doubt. See, Jesus said, what well, I am the way, the, not a way, the truth, I am the life. And I feel very confident in saying, if you're here this morning, you're skeptical of your faith, or you don't have a faith, it's non-existent. It's because one of these reasons. And if you're sitting there stewing, say, no, it's not. I know it is. 
I know it is. I know that even if you are a Christ follower, these things can uh, subject you to even withstanding and removing yourself from experience all of God's fullness for you. There's intellectual doubt, circumstantial, lifestyle, and religious. Now, listen, Thomas is going through all these. Intellectual, he says, hey, I've got to see to believe. Circumstantial, basically saying this, hey, I followed Jesus for three years. I mean, I've been there, done that. I'm moving on now. Lifestyle. So, okay, if he is risen, then that means I've got to, okay, change some things and come back to him. Religious. Either he is the way or he is not. But I want you to see the heart of Jesus as we continue. As we continue the story, I want you to see that Jesus is fixing to meet Thomas in his doubt, in his skepticism. Let's continue the story. It says, after eight days, so remember Thomas has said, hey, I've got to see him, I've got to feel him to believe. After eight days, his disciples were indoors again, and Thomas was with them. Don't miss this. Even though the doors were locked, even though you hardened your heart, even though you put up walls to separate you from him, if Jesus wants to get in, he'll come right through. There are no barriers. I was getting pretty aggressive right then, wasn't I? There are no barriers that you can put up that can stop Jesus from getting to you, Joey, if he wants to get to you. There's nothing you can do, Scott. Nothing you can do, Brittany. You can lock, you can hide, you can run, you can cower, you can bow down. But you best believe, you best believe, if he wants to get to you, he will. And can I just say something else here? Who initiated him going through this door? He did. You feel like I just got to open the door and let him in. Well, listen, now if he wants to come in, he'll come right through. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood. Listen, he stood among the disciples. He gave a general greeting, peace to you. And then look what happens. He says, hey, what's up, everybody? Then he said to Thomas. So he comes in and he sees the crowd, but then he turns to the one. I'm so glad that Jesus will give attention to the one who needs him. See, this morning you feel like you're in a crowd, but Jesus sees the one. Jesus sees you in your doubt and your skepticism. Listen, nothing to change in these eight days when he came to seek out Thomas. This is a good news for somebody who's in here that doesn't believe. Jesus still sought Thomas out. Did you know when you decide to follow Christ, you don't wake up that day and say, you know what? I'm just going to start following him without him first. Come knocking through your door. See, we miss the supremacy of Christ. What I'm trying to say here is it's all about him. You just get blessed by it. Gives a general greeting, then he turned to Thomas. He said, listen, put your finger here. He said, put your finger here. Now, some, some scholars think this is a rebuke, that, that Jesus has come and said, hey, you want to doubt me? But I think what it is is Jesus meeting Thomas where he is. You've got doubts? Okay. Come put your finger right here, Thomas. Come put your finger right here. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. And this is what he says. This is what he says. Don't be an unbeliever, but be a believer. See, this is what's really important. It's here we see Jesus meeting Thomas where he was in his doubt, in his skepticism, in his intellectual, circumstantial lifestyle and religious doubt. Yet he still comes to him. I'm wondering this morning, the things you're going through, you think Jesus doesn't want anything to do with you. But if you just get ready for an encounter, he'd come busting your door down. And I want you to look what happens, what, how Thomas responds. 
It says, Thomas responded to him, my Lord and my God. See, Thomas, he swore to his disciples. He said, hey, listen, I do not, I will not believe unless I put my fingers in his hands. I'm talking to those in the back row back there too. We got some way back there. He said, I won't believe unless I put my hand in his side. Now, some of you have prayed prayers. I talk to people all the time, and they say something like this. I'm looking for God to give me a sign. Well, what do you mean? Was the cross not enough? What other kind of sign do you need? You need God to tell you what to do. Well, he's already spoke. Pick up your Bible and read it. I feel like Jim Carrey right there. What was that movie where he, uh, Liar, Liar, or something like that? No, that's not it. I don't know. Anyway, Jesus, I got ACD, or not ACDC. <laughs> ADHD, told you, man. Said so that's how you know it was true and not made up. I do like ACDC, though. Well, listen, Jesus loves you. You'll have a good day, okay? <laughs> Aren't you glad you can have fun in church, man? Good Lord. Thomas responded to him, my Lord, my God. He swore up and down that he would never believe unless he touched him. But here's what I think the picture is. Here's what's really going on. Is Jesus did not care or mind that Thomas was skeptical and doubted. He came and met him where he was. And listen, don't miss this. This is it. When Thomas found himself in the presence of the living God, he could not help but say, my Lord, my God. See, what I'm trying to tell you is this. is not only will he meet Thomas where he is, but he'll meet you where you are. And when you have that encounter, when he comes busting through that door, that is the only logical, it is the only thing that makes sense, is that you would say, my Lord, my God. See, because when you find yourself in the presence of a resurrected king, you become a resurrected person. This morning, I've come to preach a resurrection message to some resurrected people, and I'm wanting to know will you receive it. I'm wanting to know will you receive it. Look how the story ends. Jesus said... See, listen, Thomas said, Jesus said, Jesus said, Thomas responded, you are able to communicate with him. He does speak. Jesus said, because you have seen me, you have believed. Those who believe without seeing are blessed. Who do you suppose that last line is about? It's interesting that he didn't say, Thomas, you're blessed because you've seen me. But he said, those who walk by faith will be blessed. Not only will he meet Thomas where he is, he'll meet you where you are, regardless of what you got going on. Regardless. It does not matter. And here's the good thing about it is, Jesus does not show favoritism. So it's not like if you've only been, if you've been divorced once and someone else has been divorced three times that he's gonna come see you and sit over them. Or it doesn't mean that because you have more money than somebody that he's gonna pick you over anybody else. We believe that the ground is level at the cross. And what that means is that salvation is for everyone and Jesus loves all of humanity. So then, can we reel this in just a little bit? I believe this is a timeless truth that's relevant today, this encounter with Thomas and Jesus But I want to show you, I want to just kind of draw it in just a couple more minutes, okay? Just a couple more minutes. 
I want to show you what three encounters of Jesus would look like at City Lights Church in our context. Because you do know that basically this morning, Jesus is standing on the other side of the door and it's not about you opening it, what causes him to come through. It's about if you'll receive what he'll do when he knocks that door down. I want you to watch three quick videos of encounters here with Jesus at City Lights Church. I'm really blessed. Uh, I've been sitting in the service a couple weeks ago when Pastor Peyton was talking about the woman that was caught in adultery and uh, the religious leaders in Israel at the time were going to stone her to death and, and Jesus stepped in and put his foot down, drew a line in the sand and, and says, you know, pretty much that you come as you are and, and uh, those of you that aren't guilty throw the first stone. Thank God for a, a a place that preaches the word that understands the true love of Christ where people can come in off the street just as they are whether it be reeking of alcohol smelling like cigarettes dealing with whatever issues addiction divorce doesn't matter just come and experience Jesus because that's really what he wants and that message that Pastor Peyton was speaking of really really spoke to my heart and it's uh, motivated me to love my children in the same regards that Christ has loved me. You know, I've encountered the love of Christ here at this church, and uh, I'm definitely blessed to have a place that I can call home and come down here and serve every Sunday, uh, working out in the parking lot and helping people out and sharing the love of Christ with those that are hopeless and hurting. Back in October, I lost my best friend to a drug overdose. It was really hard for me to get through because it was very shocking and we weren't expecting it. I got very lost in this time and didn't really know what to do, but I always had someone that had my back through City Lights. In the night that I was having a bad time or didn't really know what to do, there was always someone there that I could talk to, and I would have people from the church just message me one day with an encouraging scripture or just check in on me every now and then just to see how I was doing. And I felt like they was really part of a family there, and everyone always had my back. And the way they encouraged me helped me encourage other people to know what to do in the time and to be able to follow Jesus still and turn to Him when we was having troubles. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I had been really struggling with my career choice at the moment and uh, I had been teaching at a uh, very stressful school. Uh, it was carrying over into my home life. I'd come home very angry and I'd be mad at my children very easily and and so Peyton had taught back in November um, a series called The Christian Atheist and he had taught out of the book of Joshua and there was a verse uh, it was Joshua 1 9 and when he read that verse out I was thinking to myself I need to let God and and just take control of my life I don't need to be afraid anymore I need to have him put me where I need to be not where I want to be and so I prayed, I said, God, just please just take control. Don't let me be afraid and use me where I need to be. Put me where you, you want me. And uh, the very next day, I got a phone call for an interview for a school that I had been wanting to go to and ended up getting the job. And I've been there for almost three and a half months now. And, and I have met some amazing people. And these people have really um, pushed me to to broaden my faith and, and really step out in my faith and strengthen my walk 
with Jesus and I've even been able to help others to start their journey with Jesus and be there for people who, who need me. And it's just been amazing because I was willing to say, I don't want to be afraid anymore. I want you to use me where I need to be. And he did. I'm Vern and I have encountered Christ at City Lights Church. My name is Caitlin and I have encountered Jesus through City Lights Church. I'm Jamie and I have encountered Jesus at City Lights Church. What I want to know this morning is are you ready for an encounter? Are you ready for an encounter? See, we believe that just one moment with him can change everything. One moment. Even in your doubt, your hard heart, your skepticism, your bitterness, you've been hurt by the church, you've been hurt by guys like me that are pastors, or maybe it's someone close in your family. Either way, Jesus is ready to knock that door down for you to encounter him this morning. He will meet you where you are. And so here's what I want us to do. I'm going to call you to a response through prayer, and I want, to, I want to make sure that I clarify as I ask you to do something why, because this may take you back to your old days of church. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes, but here's why I'm going to ask you to do it. Not because we're a particular denomination, not because Jesus can only hear you if your eyes are closed and your head is bowed, but it's because it's out of rever- excuse me, reverence to the person beside you. It's the only thing it is. It's not a formula. So if you will, if, if you will, bow your head and close your eyes. And I want you to hear the sound of my voice as we pray. And I'm going to challenge you to a couple responses. And then I'm going to actually challenge you to let me know that you've made that. So if you're here this morning and you would say, Pastor, I need an encounter with God. I need to encounter Jesus. There's some things I'm going through that I don't understand. I don't fully get. And honestly, I'm just not sure what to do about it. Whatever that situation is, if you're needing that encounter this morning, would you just raise your hand? God bless you. God bless you. Hands are up all over. I see them. Now listen, I'm going to get specific. And I want you to be bold here, okay? I want you to be bold. Listen to the sound of your preacher's voice. If you're here this morning, and you would say that you are Thomas, you doubt, you're skeptical, but you don't believe, you've not believed, you've not been in a committed relationship to Jesus, And you would say, I'm ready to encounter him for the first time. You would say that you are ready and you don't even know what it means for him to knock your doors down and to encounter him for the first time. Would you just raise your hand so I can see? God bless you. God bless you. Finally, if you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I am a believer. I do believe in Jesus and the work that he did on the cross and know that it's enough for me and my sins. And I just want to continue encountering him. 
in new ways and fresh ways and today and tomorrow and in my marriage or in my workplace or with my kids. If that's you, would you just raise your hand as well? God bless you. God bless you. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. And we know that this day represents so much more than just a gathering. It represents hope for those of us who are in need of hope that death could not hold down your son. And if death could not hold him down, then Jesus, we know that our strongholds and struggles and doubts cannot keep us down as well. And Father, this morning we just praise you that you'll meet us where we are. And it is undeniable, Father, if we would all be honest, that we all have issues going on. Ours may not look like the person sitting beside us, but we have them. They often prevent, them, prevent us from experiencing you. And so today, Father, in Jesus' name, we just want to encounter you. Even as we these just last couple moments, we just say what a wonderful Savior you are. We're so grateful that your plan, God, for your son was to rise. And so in our hearts, we built this altar and we just bow down before you. Church, I wish you'd just stand up with me this morning. I wish you'd just stand up right now. Savior, amen. Amen. Sing this with us. Oh, what a Savior.